Hey everyone, welcome to Alpha Delta, a video series on my YouTube channel where I have conversations with people who operate at a higher level than most with the hopes that it inspires and motivates people to become the best version of themselves. So today, I'm joined by Dr. Elmi. Dr. Elmi is a good friend who I've known since high school and he's done a bunch of amazing things um, in the medical space, across the world, locally, um, but you know, Elmi, I'm gonna give this opportunity to introduce yourself, you know, to the viewers who've never met you before, you know, who you are, just explain who you are, where you're from, um, what do you do and what do you do in school? Okay, so my name is Dr. Elmi. I'm a pediatric surgeon, I'm a surgical resident at the moment. Um, I went to school, so initially I went to school in the Netherlands and then I moved to Kenya and we went to the same high school, so I went to Freeside. Um, and then thereafter I went to the University of Sussex to do my first undergraduate degree and I studied biomedical sciences and I got first class honors, of course. Um, <laughs> and then I went to Imperial College to do my MBBS. Uh, that's the medical degree. I uh, did it graduate entry. Um, and at the same time, whilst I was doing my uh, MBBS, I ended up uh, doing some entrepreneurial work. So I started two companies, which were basically content creation companies uh, with a social aspect to it. Um, and in that time, I learned a lot because I was going to school and running a business. And you know, challenges happened. Um, I'm originally from Nairobi, Kenya, and yeah, so I think I've answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a pretty good synopsis about just who you are in yeah. general and like what you've done and what you're doing and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, so the first question I have for you is um, you know, what are you passionate about and why? Okay, so I think uh, passion changes. Um, over time, right. I think uh, as humans, our our predilection for things um, shifts and it evolves, and I think that's like the best way to put it. Because initially, when I started my undergraduate degree, I wanted to do a PhD in uh, biotechnology, and that's what I was passionate about. I was passionate about creating um, solutions to medical problems in a new light uh, using the current technology we have and uh, using AI and a lot of uh, computer-based programming. Right. Um, but then I ended up uh, loving uh, the front line uh, and so I'm really passionate about healthcare and medicine in general. Um, and to be more specific, I'm more passionate about uh, pediatric uh, surgery. It's something that um, I gained a lot of respect for uh, because if you think about it, kids don't usually bring ailments to themselves. It's usually a product of the environment, it's usually congenital, it's usually um, something that happens to them. Whereas in adults, um, a lot of the problems they have medically are self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. 
And so I thought it'd be best to go down the route of pediatric uh, medicine. And so I initially started in obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, it was interesting. Like a mouthful, like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, what is that? So okay. for us guys who don't understand, like, what is that? So I first started as a doctor who deals with pregnant women and uh, women issues. So like, um, I don't know how to break it down. So obstetrics is the pregnancy part of uh, women health and gynecology is women's health um, and so I started there didn't really like it um, it was a little more it was a lot more complicated than I thought going into it and then I went into general surgery and in general surgery I was doing a rotation in pediatric surgery and I really fell in love with it because it was like it was so different because the environment that you're in and the ethos of the people who you're working with is so different. Um, you end up having a respect for uh, the kind of work that they do. And so I, I stayed in pediatric surgery and yeah, I'm a resident now and that's what I'm really passionate about, but I have other passions. So I'm an entrepreneur. I am a podcaster, I am a producer, and lately someone's been pushing me to uh, try TikTok. So I'm also learning how to, you know, edit videos and, and make uh, capture attention in short spans of, uh, short time spans. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Very nice. Very, very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. So, you know, taking a step back. What was your childhood like, right? What was growing up as Elmi? Uh, what was high school like for you? What do you spend a lot of your time doing? Uh, wow, loads of question. Yeah, uh, a lot to it to unpack. So, well, yeah, stick so I'd like to think my childhood was, I think, in my experience, one of the best things that could have happened to me. Mm. Um, my parents were both uh, diplomats, so. Although we didn't see them like often in terms of like spend day-to-day -day time with them in, in like short time. I'm gonna redo that question. Okay. So um, my childhood was one of the best things that could have happened to me. I came from a very loving family. Um, they pushed me to be the best version of myself. They created an environment where I could do what I needed to do and be who I wanted to be and pursue the things that I was passionate about and supported me through it. Um, my parents were both diplomats, so they were off on missions a lot of the time. And it was this appreciation for doing good for others that really made me want to go into like uh, biotechnology and science and you know the medical profession. Um, I grew up in many countries, so I grew up in different countries around the world before I moved to Kenya. So that taught me how to become friends with people really easily, how to relate to people quite quickly, how to adapt to situations um, easily as well. Um, and high school, high school was interesting. Um, I. I started off 
as you know part of the what do they call it student council so I was in student council till year 10 so I was my year representative and um, so I took on a leadership role very quickly I then was also involved in MUN so I was a junior chair um, and so I was really really involved in it probably my junior chair I think. Yeah. yeah. MUN. So MUN was a big part. And then um, President's Award. So yeah. I was the youngest ever gold recipient of the President's yeah. Award. Yes. Um, so when we went to State House, I made a speech. They gave me my thing, yeah. um, like my medal or whatever. And it was, it was interesting. So I was very involved in co-curricular activities. But that didn't mean that I slacked off in my um, academics, right. so I was always top of my class. Right. Um, and it was interesting to think that you know you could do so much with the limited time that we had in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time I was uh, in year 11, um, I was head boy, and I don't want to... If you're watching this and you... You're no. very sad. <laughs> Please don't take it the wrong way. Um, but uh, my, the head girl I was working with, Wendy, her and I basically run the school at that time. Oh, I remember um, that. I remember that. Nah, you guys are a boss ass team, I can't lie. We, yeah, we did a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, you guys are a boss team. I used to look, I told you this before offline, yeah. right? I used to really look up to you guys a lot. And even just part of like my own like journey through Brace, I was very inspired by you. Oh wow! Like, watching you do and the things you're achieving, so it was, you're one of like the people I used to look up to a lot for sure. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, carry on. Okay. Um, so high school was was very was good to me, um, and so it was like this mixture of different experiences from different cultures and different things that I did that really shaped me to be who I was Um, and I think that's why when I joined uni, I joined uni when I was uh, 16 so when you hear I'm a surgeon and I'm 26, it's not, you know like I'm always the youngest surgeon in the room I'm always, people are always like, oh, so are you, are you here learning? Are you an intern? And, are you an intern? And I'm like, actually the board says, yeah, put some respect. Put some respect on my name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, um, that was my childhood. It was, it was filled with a lot of experiences and a lot of love. Although my parents were busy, they always um, made time for us. And we built a lot of core memories together, traveling, and sometimes like one of the biggest, um, one of the most prominent m- memories, or how can I say that better? One of the most uh, significant, significant moments. moments in my upbringing, thank you, was um, my dad used to um, take us in, like, in our yard. He would draw like a line around the thing and we would use it like a track and we would like ride bikes together with my middle brother that my, my youngest brother wasn't born at the time and that was like the highlight of my week at the end of the week it sounds so simple and yeah. it, it sounds like nothing yeah but it's those but little things that it was, really make a huge difference yeah like yeah. He, he worked very long hours he used to travel a lot right. but 
he still made time for us, and I think I had a very rich childhood. Yeah, interesting. Uh, that that sounds awesome. Man. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about you for sure. Uh, yeah. So you know, like, walk us through how you got to where you are today. You know, tell us a bit about your career path. What are some of the things you've done? What are some of the things you've achieved? Okay, so um, my career path, it was a bit different. So as I said, I wanted to go into medicine, but when I went into it, and so I did an internship before I went to college, so I did like a summer program at Columbia, nice. and it like opened my eyes to different facets of medicine. And it was, it was like, I didn't have to be a doctor to make impact. And most of the impact really comes from scientific research. It comes from biotechnology. It comes from um, drug delivery systems and, and like the scientific part of creating medications and therapies. And so I really wanted to do that so I, you know, applied to Sussex Uni at the time. It was, it was fourth in the world for sciences, and so I, I really liked the work they were doing and all that stuff. So I ended up working on my research project, my dissertation, um, in my final year of my first undergraduate degree, and it was, um, it was based on this. Okay, so. How can I break it out? I'll try and break it out as yes. much as I can. Yeah, as simple so, as possible for yeah. So it's Are you called. Me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so there's this pathogen called Bacillus thuringiensis, which is found in soil. Mm. And usually it is something that um, causes disease in, in like maize and in, in like um, agricultural sectors. Right. And so. Luckily, the guy who I was, the lab that I worked in, it's called the Crickmore Lab. You can search it and I'll also send you the paper. You can, you know, like put it on or something. Right? Um, so the guy I was working with was called uh, Dr. Neil Crickmore. He's known as the godfather of BT, so facilitator oh, yeah. genesis. Interesting. And um, so I worked in his lab and my role was to try and prove a hypothesis that if the, so you know how protein DNA has a certain structure mm -hmm. and so when it folds, it act like you activate the way in which that works. So the protein folding of this Bacillus thuringiensis um, like genome was what was giving it activation to be able to kill um, these pests that were in, you know, like uh, these foods in, in, in the field. So Bacillus thuringiensis has a protein called a cry protein. It's a crystalline structure protein. And so what we were working with is CRY2. It sounds a bit technical. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. Right. So right. what we were trying to do is it has several domains and the first domain folds back on itself and that's what makes it activate and be poisonous or activates to kill you know, the pest. So my role in that, my hypothesis was 
if we were to change the first 27 amino acids, mm -hmm. would it be able to have the same effect? So I did a lot of work on that. I made models, I made recombinant proteins, I created a new protein called PRI2AC, which was different to what was being studied. And that ended up getting my paper to be published. So I published my first um, academic article in the Journal of Invertebrate Pathology. And then I realized it takes almost five years to clear. So my research was in 2015, but the paper hadn't been published till 2020. Wow, really? So there's so much backlog and bureaucracy yeah. that I was just like, if I'm going to make an impact, this is not the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I was like, I'm still young. I finished yeah, uni when I was like um, 19, 20. Wow, really? Yeah, so yeah, I was like, really, I yeah, can still, I can still go back to school. So I did a graduate entry uh, MBBS. Mm -hmm. So that was four years. And at that time I was building my company, as I said. Mm -hmm. um, and so my career path then changed from being behind the scenes to actually being in the front line. Right. So yeah, that, that's what really shaped my career path. And it was learning that maybe not all things that you're really attracted to or you want to achieve is feasible in the way you imagine it. Like the things that no one tells you about, yeah. the hidden things yeah. um, that happen behind the scenes. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I want to be in the front line making decisions that will work immediately. Immediately, for sure. So yeah, that, that's what inspired me. Nice, nice. I love um, how very, very um, intentional you've been about your career. I love how you're also able to adapt and, and see for yourself what's working and what's not yeah. and quickly shift to things that you're more passionate about throughout your period of time. My next question is, um, what has been a pivotal moment in your career and your life that has shaped your career? So we basically kind of answered that question. Yeah. But yeah. like, the most or pivotal actually, moment... actually, uh, different, well, follow-up is that, uh, what has been your greatest achievement in your career so far? It was definitely publishing a paper. Okay. Um, not many people publish papers as undergraduates. Yeah. Um, and I was the only one in the entire Crickmore lab who was under the age of 20, mm. or even under the age of 30 rather, right. who published a paper. Published paper yeah. And it was my work that has now furthered research into that field. And so there's a lot more going on, like more um, research is going into this topic right. and it's being used in things like subtropical fevers, uh, like dengue fever, West Nile fever, Zika virus. And it's based exactly on literally the work that I did. And I think that for me was so impactful. Although it happened five years after I published my dissertation, it really like made me um, think that, you know, you're opening more doors for things to be challenged in a new light. Right. Because the way I approached my research was 
I didn't just go to literature. Mm. I used um, computer learning models. Nice. I used um, this program called Chimera to try and see the interactions between different amino acids and different um, species of that cry protein. Right. Um, and that that was, I think, the biggest moment in my career so far that I think has really um, shaped my idea of what I can be able to do. So hopefully, once I become a consultant um, in a few years, I could go back into research and and look at um, the different ways we could be able to tackle medical issues or develop new surgical techniques because it's all about improving, you know, surgical techniques for the future. Right. You know, like... Uh, like Chopping the next generation. Exactly. And, and also, like, um, embracing technology as a means to further the goals of, of uh, treatment. Right. So, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Wow, very cool, bro. Very cool. I mean, that's a, that's a huge achievement. It's like you said, like not a lot of under 30-year-olds publish papers in the medical space, right? Yeah. And that's a big deal, man. So kudos for that, for sure. Yes. Um, yeah, so my next question is like, what has been the biggest challenge you ever had in your life? And how did you overcome it? Wow. Another um, question. Um, so I'm going to be a little deep right now and so in my first undergraduate degree I was diagnosed so I was the pressure of like trying to get uh, first class in every subject that I did um, working myself almost to the point of insanity so I would usually be sleeping only four hours a night I'd be reading almost all the time, going to lectures, um, doing all this stuff. It all culminated into this like really bad um, situation whereby I had no motivation to do anything. I never left my house. Like for one month, I literally used to just deliver things to my door. I never left my my like uh, apartment. Um, never had human contact after that. I literally just was in this really bad space so I eventually like had to go to the hospital and I was diagnosed with clinical depression and that was easily the lowest point in my life um, and then learning how to overcome it was was even harder because I I don't trust people easily. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think many people trust me for this. Yeah, yeah, naturally. Um, so I had to go to, to therapy, and at first I was like, "This woman is asking too many questions." Right. Um, they always want to dig. But, yeah, yeah, and, and, and they, ask they ask a question, and they make it seem like your whole entire life is about this thing, yeah. and they yeah. try and connect like, "Oh, you." You used to use a pacifier as a kid. How are your abandonment issues? Literally, it's like, <laughs> what? Pacifier abandonment? <laughs> like, where did that come from? So, yeah. it was really hard for me to trust her. Um, but eventually, we built some trust and I started getting help. I went on antidepressants. Um, 
for a long time and it it was really difficult but i had to do the work yeah. like sometimes people want to be they want everything to work out mm. but you don't want to do the work you have to you know do the work go to therapy do self improvement um, like things you know yeah. reflect on your on your past and and also don't dwell on it too much yeah. give yourself some grace um move forward from whatever that has been holding you back for you know whatever period of time it's it's such a complex like set of principles that you have to follow yeah. that um i think is pivotal to your recovery and now i'm, I'm okay i deal with human beings uh, at some point I never want to see a person yeah. um so it's it is it, it was the hardest time and our uh, overcoming it was even harder yeah but you know with exercise good nutrition um support and having a good support system especially yeah sure. um was was the key to getting out of that funk so yeah Yeah no I mean I I really resonate with that because I mean just like you I also suffered um, mentally just last year actually I had a I had a mental breakdown and very similar to you like I was not in a good space um, mentally had to go to therapy take meds um, and I was very lucky that I had a very strong supportive system around me um, I feel like that was like the biggest key and then to spend just almost this with my mom like yo There's nothing like I can do for that one because she really helped me down like yeah. in ways that like today I'll just be forever grateful like for her because of that. So like yeah, like it's it's tough and like you know with guys like you know when we suffer through mental health things like we don't really talk about it as much and like it can go to extreme cases to the point where people like commit suicide yeah. because of it. And like you know I'm glad that you brought up like how you suffer and that naturally made me feel like I should also share oh um, yeah just because like whoever's watching this to realize that you know even people like Almi who are operating at a higher level like we still were able to be succumbed and suffer from like you know it's it's real yeah and, and like and that's probably like the mental challenge like mental health issues are probably the, the biggest challenges anyone can ever face because mm-hmm. there's no there's no book there's no guide yeah on how you can overcome it and everyone's different like how you suffer because it's a, it's a combination of you know you could have childhood traumas that are affecting you mm-hmm. right or recent situations or like maybe it's um uh an effect or an impact from from some certain stimulus like drugs or alcohol you know like there's yeah. different areas where it can affect you right and that's why i said like everyone's different and there's no rule book on how you should achieve it but you know like you said getting therapy like if you can afford it like i know therapy is not the most affordable thing for most people but if you can like go do see yeah, do it go see a therapist um or at least you know have a if you have a friend who's willing to listen um you know just have that open dialogue with them about what you're suffering with and i think it's really important for you know like everyone specifically men as well to just you know have genuine and authentic conversations with, with the people you care about you know when you're feeling like you're suffering like like tell your friends about it you know like, yeah 
if they really support you, they're really your friends like that, they will advise you, they will guide you, but they will try to help you in some way. They'll be there. For you. They'll be there for you. And if they can, they'll probably recommend therapy and like and that's not a that's not a bad thing, right? But you shouldn't take offense. That just goes to show that they're not in a place mentally to be able to to help you. So yeah, sorry, you're gonna say something. No, I was just gonna say like the thing we don't um, realize is if I have a broken leg, I'm going to an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Mental health is the same thing. Yeah. When you're suffering mentally, you go and see a psychiatrist or a therapist. If you can afford it, please go and do it. But most importantly, you need to be able to realize that this is an actual illness treat yourself like you're sick yeah. you know like take some time off um, speak to the right people and also have that um, that willingness to want to be helped because yeah. sometimes you are so closed off you don't want to talk to nobody and I know it's difficult in those moments but you need to find the right people to confide in you need to find the right people who will be able to listen and advise you. But most importantly, as men, this thing is, swa- is swept under the rug yeah, so often. Much, much, yeah. And it's like, oh, you're a man, like, you know, man up. And, yeah. and the thing is that we do suffer as well. And, you know, men have the highest rate of suicide out of everyone. Yeah, and that is because of this culture that has been created based off of this, um, I don't want to call it toxic masculinity. Yeah, 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 but yeah, I was just going to say something. Yeah, I don't want to call it that, but for lack of a better term. Yeah, there is, it really is that. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with 100%. And like, like, guys need to understand, right? It's not weak to admit that you have mental problems, like that you're, you're dealing with something that, you know, it's crippling you, right, mentally. And like, in fact, I think it's it's strong that you can recognize exactly. that you do have an issue and you need help. And you know, right? yeah. That takes nothing from your masculinity at all. I think that's probably the most masculine thing you can do. You can do as exactly. a man. Just take taking, charge. Exactly. Taking charge, taking ownership of yes. your mental health, right? That's, it's such an important thing. And I, I encourage all guys out there, you know, with your homies and your boys, right? Like. You know, just try to have, if you're not feeling good, just try to have genuine and authentic conversations with them about what you're dealing with. And, and you know, just try to cultivate that that relationship and that culture of, of being very open about the things that you're suffering. That you're suffering from, yeah. yeah. And open, honest dialogue is really the key to it. 100%. 100%. I agree. Cool. So, um, what advice would you give someone who's trying to achieve the same things you were trying to do? My number one thing that I tell everybody, and I get invited to go speak to schools, and um, I speak to like a university, like my alma mater. There's like these uh, like talks I do, and all that kind of stuff. And the number one thing I'm going to tell everybody is don't dream blindly. You have a dream, work towards it. Make sure you have the, the facets required. Make sure you have put in the work that is required of you. Um, don't just say, oh, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z and sit on your ass. It's not going to come. And I'm 
a religious person i believe in god and stuff but like you need even if you pray to god for something to happen you need to still do the work and then pray to god to help make it easier for you yeah but you need to work it's don't dream blindly yeah. don't go into situations thinking oh it's it's all going to work out in the end if i keep having manifestation and <laughs> all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't work like that you need yeah. to get on it and make sure you are you know doing what is necessary to get to where you need to get to yeah um yeah no i i, I 100% was never bad like you know a dream without a plan or a goal without a plan is just an idea idea all right. right it's just literally like and like manifestation there's nothing wrong with that but just stick in the plan you, exactly you, you need plan, to get right? Right. Like it's you need a direction you need to like think about okay i say you're trying to i don't know run a 5k marathon right mm-hmm. you need to be like all right so what's my plan every single day for one hour or every single day I'm going to run four miles yeah I mean, that's a good plan and then you say within a month I'll review maybe I'll not make it eight miles for yeah. the next month right that's a plan in place yeah. right all with the hopes of trying to achieve this 5k marathon yeah. right so like plans are so crucial like it's more than even the goal it is more, more than, like, yeah. than the goal actually because like there's this um, uh, I remember reading once there's this theory that like you know It basically the book is describing how you have two coaches or basketball teams, right? One has the goal of becoming a championship team at the end of the season. The other has the goal of making sure that his team performs the best every single day. Yeah. Right? Who's more likely to become a champion? The guy who's trying to achieve it every single day. Exactly. So it's the plan. So you could have a plan, but regardless of the goal, you still able to achieve the outcome. Yeah. The desired outcome. Yeah. yeah, you might not have the intention of like, oh, I want to be a championship team at the season, but by the fact that on a day to day or a weekly basis or month, like you're accumulating these wins, you're literally doing the work every single day, yeah. you'll just naturally start moving towards that direction. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. So uh, my next question is, you know, where are you headed to? Um, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next couple of years? Yeah. Wow. Um, well, in all honesty, I'm working towards becoming a consultant. Um, so once I finish my residency, I would love to be a consultant and then thereafter I want to do my fellowship. So I'm putting in the work now so that I can be able to get to where I need to get to. Yeah. Um, so I work most days 12 hours, but I will still read three or four hours in the, in the evening or early in the morning. Um, yeah, so like, it, and also learning now, like, from my mistakes in, in, in college, or sorry, university, um, I never used to rest enough. And if you don't rest enough, you don't perform at your best. So, resting is also another big important thing, but um, working towards becoming a consultant, and then later on look into doing a fellowship, um, I want to start my own practice, uh, but I think first I need to be able to, you know, make a name for myself um, because that's how you build a client list. That's how you build best practices. That's how you do uh, what is necessary for you to be able to get to, as we said, your goal. Right. Um, 
but then there's also the other part of me which um, loves to create podcasts. I, I love producing podcasts. Right. So um, hopefully I'm going to create you know like a podcast platform or a podcast creation company mm-hmm. um, to be more precise uh, and and amplify African voices like. I don't think there is a network that is doing that right now, which is doing it in a good way for Africans, by Africans. Right. And I think, you know, that's something I'm working towards. But yeah, my trajectory looks promising at the moment. Right. Not on wood. Yeah. So I think I think working towards my goals at the moment is the biggest. is, is my biggest priority, I'd say. Awesome, awesome. That's very cool. I mean, I could definitely see that for you. Consulting, um, podcast company that's amplifying different African voices and everything. Yeah. It's very cool, very cool. Um, so yeah, uh, do you practice self-improvement? And if you do, what do you do? Okay, so I said um, I'm religious. So I take, I pray five times a day. Um, and that is my time to meditate and connect with God. Um, I really do believe in it because it, for five, ten minutes, I'm doing nothing but connecting with a higher power who's, you know, aligning me with my goals, with my vision, with all that, and it's time to meditate. I also meditate in the morning, so um, after Fajr prayer, which is the first prayer of the day, um, I meditate for like 20 minutes, um, just literally taking a little bit of time to myself. Um, I It may not look at like a now, but I go to the gym. <laughs> um, so I go to the gym before work on like three, three days of the week and four days of the week I go to the gym and after work because of how my surgeries are scheduled. Okay. Um, so does that mean you gym every day or? No, for I gym uh, three times a week, then one day off, then three, three times okay. a week. So like uh, push pull legs, uh, then, then rest, push then push pull legs. Ah, uh, yeah. okay, okay, makes sense, makes sense. Um, and then also like, not a shout out, but I take my nutrition very seriously. So shout out to Reflex Nutrition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Plug them right in. You know, sponsor my boy. Holler at me. Please sponsor me. <laughs> Actually, he would be. Can you see his physique? He'd be a good, he'd be a good, he'd be a good guy. So, um, nutrition is also very important to me because, uh, in what I've learned when I came back to Kenya, in the Kenyan like um, operating theaters, cult- the culture in operating theaters is you do one surgery, you go and have tea. You do another surgery, you go out to, and I don't <laughs> subscribe. I don't subscribe to that because <laughs> it's like, and it's not only you're not only having the drink. There's snacks as well that mm-hmm. are being brought throughout the day, mm-hmm. and you know that that's that, that yeah, exactly. literally you're just describing what comes into okay. my OR, and I don't like so trying to stay away from that. I have. Um, this complete diet protein, which I use as a supplement for a meal replacement once a day, um, and then you know my protein shake. So trying to get um, a pound or a pound and a half of protein per pound of body weight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I 
yeah, the, I think that, and re, I read like books right now. I'm reading The Power of Habit. Oh, nice. Um, I've read all the Robert Greene books when, when, yeah, so like, so like, cut this up. So, uh, so that so like I think um, self improvement is is really important, but also like again with therapy, once a month, my therapist does a SWOT analysis, so strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Right. Um, we do a SWOT analysis of, of my life. Oh, and So we look at um, in that month what are my strengths. Living in Africa, eh? Oh my days, this is not even close to... When I lived in Russia, it was even less. It's still recording though. It really was close in Russia. Yeah, sometimes you just lose power through the day. Yeah. Um, you talk about therapy. Oh yeah, so in therapy we do a SWOT analysis, so strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And we look at the month that we've had um, and, you know, identify the strengths that I've been able to um, cultivate and then look at the weaknesses that I have in that month or through like so she, my therapist writes down everything um, and so and then do like what opportunities and, and the threats and that is a way to keep myself accountable throughout my you know like my time in therapy because it's so important for me to be able to to improve as I go along, because it's, you know, you want to always be, uh, okay, I'll preface this by saying, I'm my only competition. Mm. So True. if I'm better than who I was yesterday, then I'm already winning. Already winning. So those are my, yeah, that's, that's how I try and like, that's how I am trying to improve myself day by day. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so with that, what is one area of life you feel you could improve on? I think, um, I think there's a couple. Okay. I'll start with time management. Um, because I'm, so I'm still a resident, I don't get to dictate the hours I work. Right. So I'm trying to work as much as I can to be able to leverage some power at the at the negotiation table, right. so that I could be like, um, I would like to, you know, have this in this time, so I could prioritize my health and fitness. Because yeah. um, maybe you can put a picture up. I I was like twelve percent body fat. Yeah. I was like <laughs> lean and you know going to the gym every day, not missing my macros, hitting them. 
precisely yeah, yeah. and I know that and I think um, my nutrition and and um, what's it called my nutrition and uh, weightlifting I think is um, where I could improve on because by the time I get to the gym I'm already you know exhausted no pre-workout can save me yeah stop. like yeah. I I try and take it's you know like I used to love going to the gym at, at five when they open yeah. but then now my surgery starts at five oh, so yeah. it ends up being like you can't really go to the gym first then you know go to work which right. is different to my last job where I used to go to the gym in the morning then go to work and I have I have my time to you know do my thing yeah um, but I think with my plan in place I, I could be able to negotiate something in, in the nice. near future um, but yeah I just I just want to work on that and I think it's important for me to take Bring, to take the to take control over my health and fitness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's 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 so crucial to just anyone performing at a very high level. Like, you need your health and fitness in check. Yeah, because that's literally your support. It's, like, it literally, is. and it also powers you to just go out there and grind and just like you know do your best. Do your yeah. best, right? You know, when your health and fitness is in check, like there's nothing you can't do. Literally, yeah, yeah, unstoppable. Honestly, honestly. Um, yeah, so next set of questions are going to be a bit more personal. Oh. Um, the first question I have for you is um, what does being a man mean to you? So, interestingly, um, I think our idea or perception of being a man or how to be a man in this world is initiated at such a young age and yeah these uh things that are indoctrinated into us as as kids and you know having my dad you know teach us basic things you know like how to change tires or whatever um but others like you know you have hard power and soft power yeah so like the soft skills of being a man would be for me in my in my own words or in my interpretation of it is to be dependable mm-hmm. is to be um, to, to honor your word right. um, to be there for you know the ones you love and creating time and space for them right. um, but also most importantly is to create a safe environment for absolutely, absolutely everyone um, especially the women in your life mm-hmm. um, okay. I think those are the cornerstones of being a man to me is just being able to attack the day knowing that you have these tenants behind you. Um, yeah, but like I don't subscribe to the stereotypical ideology of what TV and film have taught us as you know, you need to be in the face of everybody and you know flexing your muscles and yeah, trying to, yeah. to do all these things that will um show out or, or right, to prove that you prove are you're, you're manly enough it, there's so much more to it it's, it's, a, it's so it's complex, complex. It's, it's, uh, exactly so, yeah. yeah 
agree 100 percent i mean yeah i mean there's a lot we can get into like there's, there's a lot to unpack from that for sure yeah. um, but i guess the the next question i have for you is you know how do you navigate life um as the said man and it would also be interesting to get your perspective as a muslim man so before we talk about being a muslim man um i'd talk about being a black man so growing up um in where when, when i grew up in other countries um like in europe we never had that we weren't exposed to um circles where our color was a defining factor um again so when you're with diplomats um the the circles that you're running in to them color means nothing and it's less of a less of a thing to like it's less important in those spheres of of those doors and right, in, in that in those worlds you know um but as soon as i moved to the uk the first thing i realized was i'm black and i am a man and to many people that was dangerous so the first time i noticed it i was in a in a store i won't mention your name but like i was in a store and i was buying a winter coat and the whole time the person who was following me around the shop was another black man and there was plenty of other like uh non non black or non persons of color in the in the shop and no one was following them so i deliberately stopped looked at him and then asked can i help you and the guy goes no no i was just trying to see if you needed help and i was like okay Just how many other people are there in here do they also need help yeah, yeah, yeah. why don't you help them yeah, yeah. um and it was the very first time so i never i never realized that my color was defining of who i was and then it ended up being like um if you're in a train carriage or if you're on the on the tube and you're the only like person in the tube that's black no one will come and sit next to you yeah, yeah, and people sense. will clutch their purses right. and like i could buy you and all oh, your, oh, your, your whatever your whole family your whole ancestry your ancestry like <laughs> I, i don't i don't even need to think twice about yeah. it but you're clutching your purse at me because you think i'm scary and i never understood that and i think it was so 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 pivotal for me to be able to understand that um navigating navigating life as a black man was yeah. going to be more challenging than i thought yeah but then again now going a level deeper being a black muslim man yeah that's like it's <laughs> another even crazier layer because yeah. um before i used to travel with you know like a diplomatic passport so no one would you know like ask you questions but now when you travel with a civilian passport you're always being randomly selected um for searches um, randomly and then you, when you apply to like to like jobs they 
they speak to you on the phone and they're like, oh, your English is so good. Yeah. And you're like, did you expect me to, to speak like a bush? Yeah, like, all the time, like, like, like what? They're like, you, you don't have an accent. I was like, that doesn't, that's not a compliment. And I probably lost a lot more opportunities, but I had to stand up for other people who would come after me like of course, myself. Of course. Um, and then, for example, like right now where I work, I'm the only Muslim man who works in that theater. And learning that like when I'm taking ablution, which is called blue, like cleaning myself before I pray, everyone is always like, why are you washing your whole body and, and if you can use the showers or I'm like, bro, don't worry too much. Yeah, like, don't worry about the don't, don't worry about the sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's it's so difficult navigating life like that because there's always this preconceived notion that you are a terrorist or you have links to terrorism or you've been in like you've been indoctrinated into this way of thinking that is completely like you know um, dangerous or you you know like you're not legitimately Kenyan enough and, and that's another thing we could talk about for hours is right. trying to prove that I'm Kenyan yeah. enough in Kenya, really. you know like it's yeah. it's been very difficult but like yeah so it's a very multi-layered uh, conversation for sure. to have for sure. and we could be here for, for hours yeah likewise because I, I definitely have similar experiences with you like having been abroad um, even yeah, being in Kenya and just like you said not be, not being seen as being Kenyan enough, enough. Like, yeah. yeah there's that whole uh, perspective to it so it's yeah, we could be here for hours, <laughs> essentially, about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, dudes, uh, we're coming to the end of this interview. Um, thank you so much for just taking the time. No, it's um, always lovely chatting with you, Joe. For sure, for sure. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Just getting to learn more about you, for sure. Um, do you have any questions for me? I just want to... I, I don't know. I thought about this yesterday and the day before yesterday. Yeah. But like... What is next for Joe? I have two questions. What is coming up for Joe? That's a, that's a really interesting question. I mean, yeah, you know, like I'm building this YouTube channel. Um, I have a coaching business again, you know, sign up for my coaching classes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, So, you know, it's just growing that. Um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of the people I've interviewed and I joke around about this series, but I, I, I envision this being like a, a Netflix special yeah. at some point, you know, like some David Letterman thing or something. Definitely. So, so like, that's sort of like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, it would be nice. It would be really cool if you get to that, that level. Um, so yeah, that, that's for the series. Um, and then, you know, just growing the business, um, you know, building that entrepreneurial lifestyle, um, you know, chasing financial freedom. Um, I want to travel a lot, so hopefully with this type of business I'm developing, like it will allow me to do those things because I can work, basically work from anywhere in the world, right? I'm not tied to a specific location, right? So, you know, it's just growing all those different things. I have a lot a lot of goals, which I can show you offline. Yeah. Um, and just, just working towards achieving them. Wow. Of course you'd have such a good answer. Just Joe, <laughs> come on. 
Um, my second question is. I appreciate that, bro. Um, do you have a five year plan? I do have a 10 year plan. Oh, wow. Yeah, 10 year plan. Do you want to divulge it to the entire internet? Uh, start off with my coaching classes and I'll tell you. <laughs> I might. I've actually really thought about this. I mean, I'm thinking that uh, in a couple of months I might do a, a live Q and A, right? And then someone asks me like, "Oh, what are your ten year goals?" And I'll just like pull up the screen and I'll just show it. Yeah, 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 and then just get feedback on that. So, so I won't divulge it now, but but you know, stay tuned. You might see it in the next in the future for sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, but it was really good talking to you. It's always good talking to you. I appreciate um, it. Likewise, likewise for sure. Yeah. This is always like, I always come out of it knowing more, feeling like I've had like a bit of, I don't know how to say it, like um, discourse that is engaging mm, and useful and productive. So I'm, I'm really appreciative. Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm glad you could make the time. I appreciate you coming on for sure. No worries. It's my teeny tiny channel, but you know. <laughs> We're envisioning big things for you. I appreciate that. Likewise, likewise. Um, so the last thing is, is there anything you want to plug for, you know, like where can people find you and connect? It's, okay. Yeah. So um, on podcasting services, wherever you get your podcasts, search L dash M-E space S-P-E-A-K-S so Elmi Speaks um, on Instagram and other and Twitter I think um, you can find me at, at Elmi Speaks so L-M-E-S-P-E-A-K-S and on TikTok you can find me at at the Elmi Speaks by now you should know the spelling of that um, but yeah so that's where I'm at um, um, yeah, yeah, I'm easy to find for sure. And I'll leave all the links in the description of this video. Post probably put your Instagram there, TikTok, LinkedIn as well, all this, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, thanks so much again. No worries, um, guys. This has been Alpha Delta uh, with my guest here, Doctor Elmi. And you know, we really hope that this uh, episode was inspiring to some degree and motivated some of you to you know become the best version of yourselves at whatever you're trying to pursue. Um, with that being said, I do offer coaching services for self-improvement. You know, if you want to level up in your health and fitness, in your business and finances, or any dating relationships, I'll leave all, all the links to my programs right below this video. So yeah, Elmi, this has been fun. Yes, um, it has been. And you know, from us, peace. Take care.